Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Smith. Hey, everybody. We're on this week uh, to myself and Byron, and we're going to be talking to a really great business guest who is going to give us some great pointers on how to take your business to the next level. Um, it's, it's going to be all about enabling entrepreneurs to grow their businesses through the power of effective speaking and presenting. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Chris Witt. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Are your domains locked to the max? If not, your online brand presence and your entire online business could be at risk from Internet thieves. Imagine the damage that you and your company would suffer if control of your domain was lost. Protect all of your valuable domains with MaxLock. From Moniker, your domain asset management specialist. With MaxLock, even if your email accounts are hacked and your passwords are stolen, your domains are protected in your Moniker account. Transfer your domains to Moniker today. Powered by MaxLock. Delivering maximum protection for your domains. Find out more at Moniker.com slash MaxLock. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With, with Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet, wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to over 30,000 subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO, SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at articlesender.com. That's article S-E-N-D-E-R.com. Go behind the scenes of Life Tips with their Facebook fan page. Search for Life Tips Podcast on Facebook now. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Amanda, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. I think we're having some technical difficulty, but we'll let George suss that out. It's uh, what we're hearing in the background is a little bit faint. But most importantly, let's see if Chris Witt is on the line again, if he can hear us. I'm on the line and can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> well, if nothing else, the three of us will enjoy a wonderful conversation and hope our listeners are going to be blessed with this call. We'll assume they are unless uh, we get some pings otherwise. But welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for being here today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. We have lots of leaders uh, on the line, and, and they're looking for some help on how to be better leaders. I love the title of your book, by the way. Real leaders don't do PowerPoint. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Let, let's start with a title. Spin us into what the what the thinking is behind that, and and what some of your philosophies are with regards to why you wrote the book and what the book is all about. Well, I have two main uh, kinds of clients. One is leaders, CEOs, executives, business owners, and you know, self-employed op- entrepreneurs. Help them give speeches, and then I also work with high-tech professionals who use, usually use PowerPoint. And I saw a lot of PowerPoint creep that people, you know, PowerPoint serves a function of helping communicate information. But when it creeps into other kinds of presentations, it really saps people's um, ability to get across their, their main points. And, and leaders primarily are not communicating information. They're trying to change the way people think and feel and act. And that's why I think they should not be using PowerPoint, which is really changing the, how, what people know as opposed to changing how they think and feel and act. So that, that's what I was trying to get at is, you know, you, you speak to inspire, to influence, but not primarily to inform if you're a leader. That's funny you should bring that up, Chris, because nothing puts me to sleep faster than a warm conference room and a good PowerPoint presentation. Out oh, especially life. when they turn down the lights, dim the lights, oh. kind of, it's nap time, folks. That's it. <laughs> Are we seeing anything innovative um, in, in the form of, uh, call it presentations, perhaps beyond PowerPoint? Um, any, anything innovative that's, that's, that's out there right now that's really capturing your attention on the presentation front? Well, I, two things. One, in the PowerPoint front, there is a lot of energy going into design, uh, using design a lot to clarify the presentation. So getting away from bullet points, they're, they're really beautiful to look at. You know, and if you have twenty, thirty thousand dollars in a great design person, you can probably come up with a great one. So, in terms of PowerPoint, that's what's happening. I think in the uh, in the other front, the thing that excites me is uh, Barack Obama. That you know, finally, we've got a, a national leader who is showing people the power of. Uh, presenting well, speaking well. And that, that's just exciting me. You know, I, he didn't come on the scene. I mean, he was on the scene, but I, I started writing the book three years ago. And as I've seen him rise, I go, oh, people are finally once again getting a taste of how a leader, just by the, the, the use of, of words, can shape the way people think and, and feel. And, I, and I, that's, that's exciting to me. What was your take on his speech last night? Uh, last night, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, again, one of the things I always judge a speech by is, is the effects it has. And supposedly, you know, people's confidence in, in the direction that he was taking the country was 63% before the speech and 80% afterwards. So I, I think it was, a, it was a good speech. To me, any speech that accomplishes your purpose is a good speech. Um, he's, he's good. He's thoughtful. He does something I think a leader needs to do, which is to come across as trustworthy, because especially in this day and age, as you well know, we're having a hard time trusting our leaders, and yet he's he's honest and has a sense of optimism. You know, to, to, to be trustworthy and tell the truth and, and depress people uh, isn't, isn't what a leader's about. So I, I, I think he does both well. Did, did you find it interesting that he that he dove into some some unchartered waters when he started talking about sort of you know empowering the the youth and 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 having a a responsibility if you're an American to not drop out of college and participate in the recovery efforts? Wasn't it great that he finally put it on? I mean, this this is the the, the charge that could be laid against him. I suppose this is all going to be big government, but he has consistently had a message of putting it back on our shoulders. 
That's what I loved. I mean, he carried that theme in his inauguration address, which yeah, to me was not a top-flight one, but a good one, because if, if you notice in that speech, I don't know if you noticed, but he used the word I three times, uh, my twice and me not at all. But he used we, us, are, like 60 times each. You know, he keeps saying it's, it's you know, it's not Washington, it's not the, gov- the government, and Washington has a role, but we all have to, to chip in and do our part. And that, that, that I'm, I'm glad he keeps hitting that theme. Have you caught the wave of some of the analysis going on with his speech and, and dissecting the number of times he used the word economy? I mean, there's some really neat stuff popping up today on the web. Have you, have you caught any of that? Oh, I haven't seen that. What, 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 what struck you about uh. that? Well, basically, the net of it, I was listening to NPR just a little while ago, actually, before the show, I, was, I had to commute across Boston, and there was a report about um, how there is, uh, you know, basically, there are a number of people uh, that are trying to analyze every word he's saying, what it means, how it compares with other presidents and previous presidents, um, you know, new, new words and terms and phrases that are being used. Um, overall, you know, momentum of his speech. Is it uplifting, downlifting? What action words? It's like a, you know, it's funny because you're speaking to people in the industry here that are in the search engine, you know, the SEO space, the search engine optimization space. That's a lot of our listeners on the line today. And, right. you know, we're really, we kind of geek out with keyword density and, you know, peppering rich keywords and content to appeal to the search engines. But there's a new kind of analysis going on with, with Obama and his speaking now, and that's really analyzing what words is he saying, how does that compare with other presidents. It's neat stuff, really cool stuff. You know what yeah, I found I, really interesting interested. were the, the waves of audience uh, reaction the McCain supporters versus the Obama supporters. And to see the waves of reaction throughout the course of his speech as, as people could twist their dial and say, you know, I, I like what he's saying, I'm excited, or I, I don't like what he's saying, that would be a really interesting tool to apply to sales pitches, you know, when you're practicing in-house, to have a tool like that where you could sit and say, okay, I'm with you, I'm excited, or, oh, God, you're putting me to sleep, you know? Right. When I uh, listen to these presentations or have other people listen, oftentimes I'll, I'll lead a team reacting. I never want people to suggest how to fix a speech. I just want them to tell me what, what did they follow, what did they like, and what, what and when did they get turned off. Mm-hmm. And to me, when people start trying to tinker with it and tell you, well, you should have said this, they kind of lose me because they, they're usually saying, this is what I would have said. But I, I love exactly what you're doing. Is people have a gut instinct of, oh, yeah, I was with you here, and uh, I got lost here. And, you know, people, the audience is infallible on this. If you lose them, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, so as, as, uh, as a speaker and especially as a leader, you know, you just can't say people should have been listening. People should care about what I'm saying. It's your obligation to, to, to grab them and hold on to their interest and to maintain it as long as you're speaking, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I think you should speak not too long. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to do for a long time. Have you seen any of the word cloud? And I'm just looking at, <clears throat> do you ever do word cloud analysis of, of, of you know, speeches that you're either helping a client write or you're you know, purposely peppering stronger words you know, in their speeches and, you know, in, in getting into the details of how many times are you saying those words? 
Uh, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I've used that terminology. Can you explain that to me, and let's see if it corresponds to, to how I approach it. Well, going back to the Obama incident, I'm just looking at the web. I just did a search uh, on uh, analysis of Obama's speech, and there's um, on a website called readwriteweb.com, which is a pretty pretty hot blog. Um, it, it, does, it has a word cloud analysis of Obama's inaugural speech compared to Bush and Clinton and Reagan. So I'm not sure if you know what a, what a word cloud is or a keyword cloud or some of these other cloud formations, but they sort of stack all the words together. Um, and the bigger the word, the more times it was used, right? right? So the biggest words are new and nation and America and generation and people, whereas the smallest words are lower back america america's um good um face um you know prosperous um so you know some words bigger some words smaller right so the, uh-huh. the repetition of the words has it all but doesn't that doesn't that sort of isn't that important for speech analysis in in your opinion Yes, to you, to me, it's to use words, but it, precisely to use the kind of words that are evocative, especially mm-hmm. if they're image-based uh, words. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they evoke an image uh, in people's minds. You know, there, there's, there's all this stuff about having to appeal to people's auditory, visual, and kinesthetic sense, and oftentimes people take that very literally. So they say, well, you know, people are, audit- are visual learners, so we have to show them something. But th- what they don't realize is, is that also applies to showing things to people in their imaginations. And words can do that. So, you know, things like the Iron Curtain, a, a, a chicken in every pot. There are words and phrases that are evocative of images that are much more powerful than, than anything else. And so it's not just the repetition. I, I'm absolutely a believer of repetition because, you know, people tune in and out of your speech all the time. So you've got to say it over and over and over again, and you've got to hit home with your main message. But also want the words that you use to be, you know, verbs and strong nouns, and especially if they can be image, image-based ones. Could you step us through some of your tips and advice for how to prepare for a speech and, and how, to, how to create a great speech and, and what sort of guidance you might offer some of the listeners? Uh, absolutely. There are three basic questions I, w- I want people to ask when they when they start uh, a presentation. Well, first of all, I, I'm assuming, and the, the, this is some assumption I'm making. I'm assuming they know what they're talking about. Their general area, you know, if it's if it's the web, if it's uh, something concerned with their business. I'm I'm assuming you know that, and I'm assuming you've done research about the audience and the event. So you know who you're speaking to, what why they're gathering, when they're gathering, what they want all that kind of stuff. So that's my, my presumption. Then, then I say you've got three questions you've got to answer. One, the first one is, when you finish talking, what do you want the audience to do with your presentation? So what do you want them to do? Not what do you want them to know, but what do you want them to do as a result of listening to you? Uh, that's number one. Number two, you have to figure out why would they want to do that? That's the old, I'm sure you've heard it, the WIFM question, the what's in it for me question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they going to benefit from doing what you want them to do? So you can, as, you know, as a boss or as a leader, you can, you can be very clear about what you want people to do. You know, I want you to work harder. I want you to stay later. I want you to pull together, all of that stuff. That's what you want them to do. But the question is, why do they want to do it? How is that going to help them? 
And then the, the third question, now this gets into your, your content preparation, is what do they need to know and feel in order to do that? So you've, decided, you've determined what you want them to do, you know why they would want to do it, and then you, you've got to figure out what do they need to know and feel in order to do that. And once you've got those questions, you're ready to go with your, your outline. Define how, what do they need to know and feel. I'm particularly interested in the feel. Could you expand upon feel a little bit more? Sure. You know, I, I work with a lot of high-tech people. I mean, I, I, people, engineers, programmers, researchers, these are people that you, you would think to, to, to listen to them that they're all motivated entirely by, by their intellect and by their reason and, and that. And when I say, you know, you've got to appeal to people's feelings and, and, you know, touch their emotions, they kind of, you know, run away scared thinking I'm, I'm trying to get touchy-feely on them. But, you know... Even the, 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 the most heady intellectual engineer still is motivated by feelings. I mean, they don't name them as feelings, but when they're involved in something, they are just so uh, excited. They get obsessed about it. They, get, you know, they work long hours. They don't even know what time it is they're so involved in it. Or they're curious. Um, or they just have this automatic BS detector that goes, eh, when something doesn't strike them as right. Or they say, you know, I think you're onto something. Uh, that's, those are all kind of feelings. And if you can't tap into those, uh, you're never going to move people. Because emotions are, are what move people. I mean, the, the, that's why there's emotion in the word emotions. The, the thing that's actually going to convince them or, or, or move them from knowing something to doing something with it is that emotional connection. Hmm. Hey, Chris. And, and what, um, what's your ge- general thought on the length of a PowerPoint presentation? <laughs> the shorter, the better. Uh, you know... I like no speech over 20 minutes. That's one of the chapters in my uh, in my book. It's called no no speech over 20 minutes. Sometimes you have to go longer than that. Uh, then I say you divide it up into sections, and you you, you make every 20 minute section kind of independent. So you, you'd speak for maybe 12 minutes, 12 13 minutes. You take Q and A, and then you'd start the next section. So each of those would kind of be a beginning, middle, and an end within it. Some questions, and then you'd start again. Hmm. Chris, there's a, there's a very funny episode of the the Office in which they talk about how the the core of any good uh, speech involves banging your hands on the podium, and how important <laughs> do you think voice inflection is? How important is the performance over the information? Uh, you know, I'm divided on my my belief is that the content is is king. Um, and the delivery is what I would consider the useful servant, useful or unuseful servant. I've seen a lot of bad ideas uh, get out there because they were presented well, and I've seen a lot of good ideas sabotaged because they were presented poorly. Uh, so delivery is absolutely essential to it. The problem I have is that people oftentimes try to get people to present in ways that is very unnatural to them. So, you know, again, I, I, working with engineers, engineers are not going to come across like a, uh, a sales rep might come across. They're not going to be cheerleaders. They're not going to be raw, raw, big, uh, expansive, emotional people, you know, dancing around on stage. And you wouldn't want them to be. You want them to be as clear and as passionate as they can be. So, you know, not 
to sit on their energy, not to clam up uh, anymore, just to be themselves a little bit bigger and a little bit louder. If one of the, the techniques that a lot of uh, speech um, coaches know is that if I can get you to raise your volume as you're speaking, it will also raise your energy level. So, you know, that's a simple thing. When, when people are, are, you know, clamping down on their energy and getting boring and, and monotone, if you can get them to speak louder, they automatically inject a little more energy and vitality in their voices. What about the pressure of opening with a laugh, opening with a, with a smile on people's face? Why is it so important to do that? And do you believe in doing that? Uh, I believe in starting or using humor throughout your presentation. I think the biggest mistake is trying to start with a joke because, you know, 95% of the time you're going to bomb and you just don't want to start off on the wrong note. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that when the uh, big comedians, you know, and then uh, Leno and Letterman, when they come out to, to begin their monologue, what you don't know is before they come out, there has been someone out there working the crowd, getting them laughing. So that by the time these guys, these professionals, uh, comedians, step out to tell a joke, the audience has already been laughing and having a good time. You know, a, I'm not, or you're not, 99% of the speakers out there are not great comedians. We haven't had a warm-up crowd, you know, a group in front of us. To, to stand out there and start with a joke is just, to invite a slow death. So I, if you can make a you know, self-deprecating, funny comment, you know, something like that, that would be great. I prefer starting with a story myself, you know, a personal story that just gets people engaged and gets people, I'm hoping to get people, what you said, to smile. I don't try to get them to laugh because then I, I, I work too hard. Hmm. Guy Kawasaki has a, has a wonderful uh, summary that he often begins his speeches with that I've really carried with me, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, but he, he, he starts talking about his presentation, and, and he has a lot of PowerPoints. He's a you know, venture capitalist and, and sees PowerPoint after PowerPoint. And so he says, PowerPoints really need something super simple. You need to tell people ten points, ten and only points, ten and only ten points. And you need to number them in your presentation. That way, if your presentation sucks, at least the people seeing it will know you're coming to the end of the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he begins his presentation, which I think is so wonderful yeah. um, and so insightful uh, to what you're about to see, number one, and number two, his, his experience and, and his ability to uh, probably put together a pretty good PowerPoint presentation. What I love is giving people roadmaps along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I have 10 points. I have three points. And mm-hmm. then to number them as you go along. So, if, you know, if I tell you I have three points, I'm going to say, you know, my first point is, and then I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going, when I start the second point, I'm going to say, and my, which brings me to my second point. People mm-hmm. need those. Uh, you know, we are not sophisticated listeners. Mm-hmm. We're very sophisticated visual learners. We, we've lost the ability in the past 50, 100 years as audiences to be good uh, auditory, uh, you know, listeners. So you've got to give people sign points. You know, I'm going to talk for 20 minutes today. You know, the three points I have are these. You know, my first point is, you know, here's my second point. So to keep giving them those signposts along the way. 
We like keeping our, our shows nice and tight and short, but here's a final question for me, and then Mandy, Mandy may have another 12 to 17 questions for you, but <laughs> um, entertainment, right? Uh-huh. I feel there is an obligation, you know, either when I'm speaking or when I'm listening to a speaker, for entertainment to be part of, of, of the program, right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering why we aren't, uh, why, the, why the screeners and the people that are putting together, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the candidates to, to speak at these events aren't really sort of screening and using YouTube and using video and, and, and using the opportunity to have people write speeches, write presentations in advance of the shows, and then let those become public property. Let those become, you know, who, what speech would you like to see live? You know, oh, that's a great idea. Why? I, 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 I think that that's a great entrepreneurial in, idea that you should put that together. In 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 terms of entertainment, to my the, the cardinal two cardinal sins to me of a of a presentation are to to bore your audience or to confuse them. Mm. Because either way, they're going to tune you out, and whatever you want them to do, they're not going to do. So, absolutely, to keep people entertained, interested, engaged, and and to to understand what you're getting at. But but I would argue that even if you're if you're entertained, um, you would probably overcome the confusion for somebody that really entertained throughout the presentation. Well, I, that's the thing. If I like you and, and entertaining <laughs> me, keeping me interested, if I like you, I'll struggle to make sense of what you're saying. Yeah. If I don't, you know, I stop. Right. 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 Hey, Chris, what would you say for? for people who are more the, the shrinking violet type, you know, people who are wallflowers and don't have that, that edge of, of personality to get out there and sort of perform for a crowd. How do you break through? Well, I ask them not to perform. I ask them to call on their strengths so that if it, my belief is if you can talk to me across the table with a cup of coffee, you have what it takes to give a presentation. So I'm not going to let you off on your, you're an introvert and you don't like doing this. If you can do that, you, you know, if you can talk to me one-on-one, you can talk to a thousand people. You just have to talk to people one at a time. So stop thinking of giving a speech. Think of it having, of having a communication, uh, a conversation with one person at a time. Look one person in the eye. Speak to that person for, you know, five, seven, ten seconds. Then look at another person, speak to that one person. While you're speaking to that one person, everyone else is going to feel involved. So, so, so stop freaking yourself out. You know, you really want to do this as far as I'm concerned. And uh, there's so much myth about what has to be happening in a presentation that I think people sabotage themselves. Byron, if only everyone was as outgoing a speaker as you are. It might be a little bit easier. Well, it's only because of great people like Chris that are out there that are evaluating people like me and, and coaching and training, and I, I definitely need some more tips from you, Chris, so I'm going to talk with you offline about that. <laughs> um, you just can't... Well, you know, that's, that's, that's why I wrote my book, is because my belief is that people have what it takes if they can lay aside some of the myths and misconceptions about speeches. Mm-hmm. That they really can give a presentation that will have a powerful effect in people's lives. I can't wait to be the, in the front row for Mandy's first speech and talking with <laughs> 700 to 1,000 gurus from Life Tips and delivering a keynote address <laughs> you know, to all of our gurus. I'll just give them one of my award-winning interpretive dances, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment's part of the package. <laughs> 
Chris, any final words of wisdom? Any final wit for us with the last oh, name, Chris Oh, thank you. Uh, well, you know, I, I hope your readers rush right on by my book, Real Leaders Don't Do PowerPoint. And I'd love there. I've got a, uh, a blog that I always love. Uh, people are always reacting to what I say. You know, my, my belief is leaders have to, to take a strong stand and, and, and get the, the grief and the feedback that they, uh, they call for. So I'm always uh, looking for people's uh, comments. My uh, blog is uh, lifeafterpowerpoint.com www.lifeafterpowerpoint.com. And I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Well, Chris, we've enjoyed life with you on the, <laughs> on the line today. Thanks for being a guest on the show. I appreciate it. Right on. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Amanda, you feel a little bit more knowledgeable now, and you're ready for your to craft Obama's next speech? I do. I, I actually do. I feel a little more confident after all that. Right on. Well, sometimes writers like you and editors and, and people are, uh, you know, somewhat resistant to get out there on the stage and showcase your wares. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm confident I'm going to be the, in the front row at a speaking event that you have this year. <laughs> oh, good. Let's make You'll it be my one part only. of your goal. You're, we're going to be mapping out your plan for this year anyway in the next few weeks. So we'll, we'll add that to the list. Thanks for tuning awesome. into the show, everyone. Until next week, I hope your life's a little bit smarter. Better. Faster. And more outspoken. Yes, indeed, in front of a really big audience. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week.